I'd like to wish you all a very merry, blessed Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear Reverend Fathers, dear faithful, the world is dying. We have more knowledge of the human body than we did in the past. We have more means of, of taking care of physical health than we ever have before. And yet, there is a more important health than physical health, the psychological health, mental health. And normally, if your mind is healthy, you, you love life. You hold on to life, you cling to life. But today there's a great loathing of life. The most obvious example is the hatred of new life. The desire of so many to stifle new life through abortion. There is a hatred of, of life that is not seen of having a certain quality. Life is not loved anymore for its own sake. People get old. As people start thinking about euthanasia, about ending life, just because it's not up to the quality they, that they desire. For those who live in this life as well, we see other manifestations of, of a dislike for it. People not happy with the body that they have been given. So many people today love to mark up their bodies, to mutilate their bodies, try to change their bodies into something that they think will make them happy because they don't like the life that they have, the body that they've been given. You think about the the drug culture, which seems almost to be approved today, there used to be great discouragement for the taking of drugs. Now they become more and more legalized and seemingly approved, these means of escaping from life. We have to, to ask ourselves where this comes from, why, why? this great loathing of life. Some people might say, well, it's the devil. It's Satan. Isn't he the great enemy of the human race? Doesn't he loathe human beings and desire their destruction? And of course, this, this is true. But the devil has no power over our free will. He cannot touch our choices. Of course, we know that, that God is much more powerful than the devil. So we can't just say the devil is doing it. We make our own choices. We are killing ourselves. It is sin, the sin that we choose to do that is destroying this world. The sins of lying, of cheating, stealing, lust, pride, 
avarice, selfishness, these diseases of the soul that are so much worse than the diseases of the body, these diseases which tear us apart as human beings, which destroy our lives, in which so many cases we find ourselves almost powerless to stop. There is the seed of self-destruction in ourselves to the degree that sin has sway over us. So we are ripping apart our own lives. The wages of sin is death, says St. Paul. We can make a comparison for our life. A comparison, I think, is very familiar to us, especially in light of this recent cyclone bomb or bomb cyclone that, that hit the Midwest. And that's when we're driving on a snowy day. We're driving in a snowstorm. We all know what this is like. We have to be very careful. And even when we think we're, we're driving down the road and we're staying on our lane and we're safe, we know that at any moment we could slip. Something could hit us and, and our car could spin out of control. We could have some little deviation start to veer out of our lane and suddenly find ourselves in the ditch. This is like our life. We may be driving down the road. We may know the moral law. We may be Catholics. We may be on the path to heaven, directing our life in the right way. And yet we find there's all these forces that beset us, some of them from the outside, the world, pushing us to go out of our lane, pushing us to go into the ditch, perhaps even scarier are the forces that are inside of us that are continually, these impulses that we have towards anger, towards lust, towards impatience, towards selfishness, that are just simply part of our human existence that are always afflicting us. Sometimes we find it so hard to stay in our lane. It's almost that we tend to like the ditch. We find the ditch, the ditch strangely attractive. Even when we know it's a ditch, it's going to destroy us. We're going to wreck. If I go this way, I will wreck my life. I will hurt my life. This is our human condition this is our fallen condition, my dear faithful. We are in constant danger. We are in constant danger of wrecking our lives. When we realize that, we, we, if we love life, we ask ourselves, how will I survive? How will I make it in this life? I want to live. I don't want to wreck my life. 
And this is when our faith provides us this marvelous and wonderful answer to a child, through a baby. A baby will save our lives. You know how often in adventure stories, the hero has some sort of urgent crisis on his hands, and he has to do something in a certain amount of time, or else he will die. Or you have the escape rooms that are so popular today, and they put you in a room, they lock you in a room, and they give you one hour, and you've got to solve all the puzzles in the room in that one hour, or else you die if, you, if the hour expires, and you know, you're, in the, you're, you're in the story. If you find the key to get out of the room, you perish. This is the way it is for us, my dear faithful, in our life. Our lives are in danger. We could die. We only have a certain amount of time. What do we have to do in that time? We've got to find that child. We've got to find that infant who alone can save us. The liturgy in this past week, and one of the O antiphons, what are called the O antiphons, calls him the key of David. He who opens and no one closes. He who closes and no one opens. This child, this baby, the reason why we have to have him to survive is that he can give us three things that no one else can give us. The first thing that he can give us is his own life. When Ador was born on Christmas night, it was not the beginning of his life. He had already existed. He had already lived for all eternity. He had already lived forever. He possesses a life that is without end and without beginning. And if he comes, he wants to give you that life. Something that the church is going to place on the lips of the priest all throughout the Christmas season in the office of prime. Certain words about this aspect of this child Ipsi peribunt etu permanebis. They all perish, but you last forever. Everything grows old like clothing, but your years do not fail. This child possesses the life of God, which is an eternal life, and he gives you that life. And when you have the life of God in you, you cannot die. God would have to die for you to die. The second thing that this child gives you 
offers you if you want it through this life of grace is guidance in your life. If you are left to yourself, even if you know the good, even if you know what's for your own salvation, your own safety, there will be situations when you will not do it. You will not be able to resist those impulses inside of you. You will not be able to resist those forces from outside of you pushing you off the road. You will destroy yourself. He gives you the life of grace, and this life offers you direction. It offers you power to do what is right, to do what you know is right, even when you have many forces pushing you in the opposite direction. It gives you the power to stay on the path. And it's so important that we make use of this power, that we make use of the life of grace. If we have the life of grace, this power is available to us. We just have to call upon our Lord in the time of temptation. Lord, take hold of me. Direct me. I want to go off the road. I recognize this. I almost feel powerless. It's like St. Paul. I know what what is right, yet I do what is wrong. Take hold of me, guide me, direct me. The third thing that this blessed child brings us by his incarnation, no one else can bring us, is an example of how to live life. Wisdom about how to live our lives. If we were left to our own wisdom, our own judgment, we would think the way to live life is with noise, pride, and riches. We would love noise. We would love our own self-aggrandizement. We would love riches. But when our Lord comes, he specifically chooses a mode of life that he's recommending to us, that he's saying, you should live this way. Follow my example. Live as I live, and you will live. Just to take one example from those three things, the question of riches versus poverty. You know how the world loves to stifle life through birth control. Many families today do not want to have children, or at least they do not want to have all the children that God gives them. What, what do they say? They say, we can't afford it. It costs too much money to have a kid. They want more the material goods than they want the living children and so maybe they'll have two or 2.1 or whatever it is, children, and they stop. Whereas those who follow our Lord, they have all the children that God gives them. And they're poor. They don't have as much money. 
they are very rich in life. They have much more life, not just in much more lives. They have more children, more living children that have come from them, but they have a much richer life as a result. They are poor in material goods, but they are richer in life. There's an exchange that happens at that, that crib of Bethlehem. It's like the exchange of the three wise men. They come, they bring their material goods, they bring their gold, and they give their gold. They unburden themselves of their material goods, and they give back a richness of life, a fullness of life. This is the exchange we make with this Christ child, an exchange only he can make. So my dear faithful, <clears throat> on this night of 2020, let us seek out the infant. Let us humbly kneel before this tiny baby and have him place his hand on our head so that we can be directed in our lives towards the good, so that we may survive and live forever. Bethlehem is the house of bread, and our Lord is the bread of life. He who eats me, even if he die, will live forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.